It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Your host, Charlie Potter, here on WGN Radio. As we move into March, hope you enjoy the show. This morning, I'm going to talk about a subject I brought up, oh, last fall, and then it touched on briefly again a few weeks ago. But we're going to really focus on it now, not only today, but in the, the coming weeks, as it is one of the most important issues facing wildlife management uh, that in the future of wildlife management, and that is how non-resident hunters are going to be treated. We all have a residency in a state, and when we travel to another state, we're considered non-resident. And the same with Canada. Only in Canada, we're considered, quote-unquote, alien non-residents. So I mentioned last fall that there was a discussion that the province of Manitoba was going to institute a set of regulations that would dramatically change the way non-resident Americans could hunt waterfowl in Canada. It appears that this is indeed moving forward, at least the discussion of doing so, and Dennis Anderson of the Minneapolis Star Tribune, as he has done so many times over his career, an exceptional career of outdoor writing out of Minneapolis, really wrote the story that seems to have gotten everyone's attention last Sunday. He broke the story about how Manitoba is moving ahead with trying to enact a lottery system for non-resident Americans who want to hunt ducks and geese in Manitoba, and that they have done so with apparently very little or or really no scientific evidence, no data, or at least data that they're willing to share with anyone. And I have been involved in this discussion ever since it came up, really now six months ago. And my job here on WGN, I think, is to present the, the information and let you decide how you feel about it. I very seldom, as you know, on this show, take a position one way or the other. And if I do take a position, I say it's my position. In this case, I just want to present what appear to be the facts or the information. And you all can decide if you think that there's a reason that the wildlife profession across the continent is alarmed at what's taking place in Manitoba. So to start with, the number of resident hunters in Manitoba has been in free fall for the past 35 years from a high of nearly 60,000 resident hunters in Manitoba hunting ducks and geese to now about 10,000. So it's down almost 80%. Then non-resident licenses have also been falling over time. Once they were as high as about 10,000, and they've been hovering about 3,500 or 3,600 for the last Uh, we believe, decade, but certainly for the last five years or so, excluding COVID. So the trend is very clear. There are significantly fewer people hunting ducks and geese in Manitoba on a resident level 
and a non-resident level than was the case 30 and 40 years ago. Yet, despite this fact, and that, that is a fact, you cannot dispute that there are far fewer people hunting in Manitoba. Despite this fact, the Manitoba Department of Wildlife has decided that it's time to limit Americans coming to hunt in Manitoba and that there should be a lottery system. And for the first time in the history of waterfowl management in North America, there should be guides awarded permanent licenses. And this is where the wildlife profession is beginning to wake up and say, well, wait a minute here. You're an independent province. You can do as you choose, but this goes against the absolute basic elements of waterfowl management. We have granted licenses. Illinois is one of them for deer hunters. That's been done a long time ago. That was has never been the case with waterfowl. And the wildlife profession, following what they believe is the North American conservation model, think that that is the beginning of the end of agencies to manage waterfowl and instead turn it into an economic resource for the gain of a few. In the case of Manitoba, they would like to award 60 outfitters with permanent licenses, 1,200 licenses, that that can be used. So in South Dakota, which has a lottery and has had one for years, you must go through the lottery first And then if you want to hire an outfitter, that's great. You've got a license. You can go hire the outfitter of your choice. Manitoba is trying to say, oh, no, no, no. We're going to just give the outfitters the licenses, creating an economic gain of where the today is is none, because now the outfitters will have a license that they own. And they will decline, they will greatly decrease the number of people who can hunt in Manitoba without using an outfitter. Therefore, outfitters are going to have the leverage of, you would think, in a capitalist system of charging more money. And they are going to basically say to the outfitters, you're in business, and all the rest of you Americans that come, you stand in line, you go into a lottery, and if you're lucky enough to get a license, well, then you can hunt here for seven days. So that was the initial that was the initial salvo or proposal, if you will. And at the time, frankly, most people didn't take it seriously because they didn't think it would happen. But as it looked like that Manitoba would actually, led by the Wildlife Department, enact this, Americans who own land in Manitoba who have hunting lodges and therefore have some influence. They raised a stink and said, wait a minute, we have a financial interest here. We own a cabin. We own a lodge. Some of, most of them are pretty simple, although some of them are not simple at all. And you can't just throw us out and tell us we have to go to a lottery. And I think if you read the tea leaves correctly, the pressure that this group of, of Americans who own land could exert, I, I think, could have been substantial. So... Again, this is factual. I'm not giving you my opinion here. They decided that Americans who own land would get a quote-unquote legacy license so that they would not have to go into the lottery. And then they decided that that a legacy license owner could name up to four people that would be his legacy guests. So all of a sudden, any property owner who's an American in Canada 
Well, they're getting five licenses guaranteed, which means that everybody else is going to stand at the back of the line. And that is what Dennis Anderson focused on in now his widely circulated article, which led to an article in Outdoor Life, and I think the articles are just beginning as, as people are waking up to what's happening. So really the question is, I said many weeks ago, the license plate in Manitoba, their tagline is Friendly Manitoba. But this is a really unfriendly act. But not only your largest trading partner, Manitoba's largest trading partner is the United States, but also a place where there are generations of traditions of Americans going hunting, going waterfowl hunting in particular. And it's done, it appears, without science behind it. So the, the issue that's arising, and I'll wrap this up before we go to break, is that now the professional wildlife community, both in Canada and the United States, is asking the province of Manitoba, please provide us with the data that led you to make this decision. And at this point in time, the province of Manitoba has not provided any data, which, as Dennis Anderson pointed out in his super article, leads one to believe maybe they don't have the data. Maybe this is just a simple economic play by outfitters to gain a financial benefit and a play by a few Manitobans who might have Americans hunting in their marsh or in their fields to make sure that those Americans really are not going to be hunting in their marsh or fields in the future. That's what it looks like on the surface. There may be a lot more to this. Manitoba may have all the data in the world to say, we have a problem, and it's province-wide. Most people believe if they have a problem at all, it's in a very few hotspot areas, yet the entire province is going to be covered by this regulation. I would offer in the next month or so, the wildlife community is really going to wake up, and Manitoba has the opportunity to make its case to the wildlife community. At the end of the day, it's a sovereign province, but with tens of millions of dollars flowing to Manitoba every year from Americans, particularly American duck hunters. The discussion of the economic impact has to be part of this discussion. We'll talk more about it. I'm raising it today because I do think it's the most, singularly the most important issue facing us in management of wildlife today. Are we going to privatize waterfowl management for the benefit of a few? Or are we going to follow the North American model, which says we manage waterfowl and wildlife for the benefit of everybody? That's what's at stake here. Manitoba's attempt for the first time ever to monetize the waterfowl resource for the benefit of a few. At least that's the way it seems based upon what's presented. We'll talk more about it in the coming weeks. And I'll talk more about something that's happening in Wyoming and actually across the West and perhaps other areas when I come back from a break. This is Charlie Potter in the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. 
No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thanks for being with me and moving from the 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 subject of the first really serious threat to the North American wildlife conservation model, at least in modern times, I'm going to move to something that, that's a headline that, that, that may surprise you. Wyoming bans non-resident shed hunters for first full week of the spring season. Think about that headline for a second. Shed hunters are being banned. Non-resident shed hunters are being banned for the first week of the season. It will issue at House Bill 123, that's actually its title, will usher in new laws that give resident shed hunters a seven-day head start over non-residents on designated public lands. Shed hunting is a big deal. There's actually a lot of money in shed hunting. People go out, some of you may do it, and you collect deer and antelope and elk, particularly elk, and moose sheds. In the spring, once the snow's melted, and you either make your own mounts out of them, shed mounts, or you decide that you're going to make a chandelier or a mirror, or you decide you're going to sell them, and you can make some money for your efforts. Shed hunting is a hobby. I know many people who do it in Illinois. We do it in Illinois. Shed hunting has always been a, a big pastime of people in the spring, done across America. But apparently Wyoming feels that it needs to stop the influx of non-resident shed hunters on public lands in order to, in order to have residents have a chance to find sheds. Now, in Illinois, we've got almost all private lands. Wyoming's got a lot of public lands and not a lot of people. So the idea that there are so many people coming into Wyoming to search for sheds antler sheds, I should say, that they have to pass a law to keep people out. Again, sounds a little peculiar, but they're going to do it. And so it's headed to the governor's desk for signature, and and it looks like it's going to be signed. And according to the bill's sponsors, it's all about protecting wildlife in the face of influx of people. Well, I have a problem, as I think all of you may as well. Protecting wildlife. Once a deer, an elk, an antelope, or a moose has shed its horns, they're laying on the ground. They're not, they're not, they're not, you're not harming anything, any animal by taking them away. Now, maybe, maybe the calcium from the, from the antlers, if you want to go on an extreme, maybe the calcium on the antlers, and we all know antlers stay on the ground a long time. Maybe as they, as they decompose over decades, that nutrient goes back into the soil and helps keep the soil fertile. I'm sure it does. 
I don't know if there's been any study on that, but I think it's safe to say as an antler decomposes over time, just like a fish decomposing over time, it's putting nutrients back into the soil that helps the ecosystem continue. I think that's probably fair to say. Nobody has any idea how much or what the time period is. But let's say then that we need the antlers to lay on the ground so as they decompose over decades, the nutrients from the antlers go into the soil. If we say that, then it doesn't matter whether you're a resident or whether you're a non-resident. What matters is that the antlers are doing something long-term for the environment to benefit. But there's no way that anyone can say stopping shed hunters is protecting wildlife. It can't be protecting wildlife. The animals have shed their antlers, so that's an absurd notion. However, the real notion is, quote-unquote, let's give our residents a competitive advantage. It's the benefit, it's just the benefit of being here, a resident here in Wyoming. Well, the case could be made, or should be made, okay, if you want to do that, that's fine. But what gives you the right to do that on public lands? that have been paid for by the taxpayers around America. I realize there have been court cases in the past, particularly in, in North Dakota. There was one recently that said when, when North Dakota tried to well, effectively put a limit on non-resident hunters, the, uh, they were sued and they said you can't do that on public lands because the public lands were paid for by lots of people outside of North Dakota. The courts threw that out and said North Dakota has that right. So I guess Wyoming has that right as well. But, again, does it really make sense to do this? We're going to find out. A lot of people are upset. I don't know how many people actually are non-residents that shed hunted in Wyoming, but they're going to have to wait a little longer to do so. Thanks so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. I'll be back next week with much more on the great outdoors. Have a safe and great week in the great outdoors.